the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Christ's selection of these men, we gain tremendous understanding about the kind of person that Jesus chooses to use. And I think all of us want to be used. If you know the Lord, you want to be used to the Lord. Why? What is it about these men that was so special that Jesus would use them like this? That's a great question. And if we learn the answer to it, we will know a lot more about how God can use us too. Welcome to Verse by Verse. My name is Peter Silseth. It is a pleasure to have you with us for another study of God's Word led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve's 26-plus years of ministry at Lakeside has expanded to include these daily Bible classes of the air. We have been looking at Matthew chapter 10 and various other verses to learn more about the disciples Jesus chose while He was here on earth. As we have already seen, these were certainly not extraordinary men, yet God did extraordinary things with and through them. Can He do the same with us? Silly question, right? Of course He can. But what about Paul? He became an apostle just as did the disciples. Unlike the twelve, he was very well educated and had a high social standing. But as we are about to hear, God kept him humble. So I guess you could say, you're never too great or too lowly for God to use you. I hope you're ready to take notes and to follow along in your Bible. We're about to meet some very famous people. Here is Pastor Steve to make the introductions. Now another question, and I, and I raise this because I think uh, someone must be asking this, or you will, wonder where does the Apostle Paul fit in? He was not one of the twelve. He was not one of the twelve. The New Testament makes it clear that Paul was not amongst the twelve apostles since he was converted later in time. Nonetheless, he was still a true apostle. Paul is, in addition to the twelve, the one man who had full apostolic authority, just like the twelve. He had the same divine authority, the same leadership privileges as, as the others. In 2 Corinthians 11.5, he acknowledged this by stating, For I consider myself not the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. He's stating that he belongs. He's on the same level as the other twelve. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. And I might add, the other apostles recognize this. Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3.15 and 16 speaks of Paul's writings as Scripture. He recognized Paul as having divine authority in his writings. And so, who are these men that Jesus called to be his 12 apostles? Today, I want to introduce each of them to you, not only to learn about them, but to learn from them. Because in spite of their many failures, their faults, their spiritual defects, these men were, as we said, greatly used of God, and we want to know why. Why? Because from Christ's selection of these men, we gain tremendous understanding about the kind of person that Jesus chooses to use. And I think all of us want to be used. If you know the Lord, you want to be used to the Lord. Why? What is it about these men that was so special that Jesus would use them like this? Well, 
I think there, as you look at the big picture of the New Testament, there are three main qualities about these men that made them usable by our Lord. He did use them. He chose them specifically. He said in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. They, they didn't volunteer. He sovereignly chose them. What made them so usable? What made them bear fruit? Well, let's begin. We're going to look at the first quality today, and then Lord willing, we'll look at the next two qualities. What's the first quality that made these apostles so usable? It's this. They were just very common, ordinary men. There were no heirs about them. They knew they were not amongst the elite. They were down to earth. I want to read to you again their names in verses 2 through 4. And I, and I do this because the more you can become familiar with their names, the more it'll stick with you. Most, most Christians can't name all the apostles, and, and we should be able to. We read this. Now, the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew. Bar- Bartholomew, by the way, is another name for Nathaniel, in case you wonder, where is Nathaniel? He's Bartholomew. Some of them have different names. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Now, the first thing that we notice from this list is that in recording the names of the 12 apostles, notice that Matthew has arranged them in pairs of six. In pairs of six. So that he, he doesn't just say Peter. He says Peter and Andrew. It isn't just James, it's James and John. Then there's Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, James and Thaddeus, and Simon and Judas Iscariot. Now, why did Matthew arrange it like this? Well, we don't know for sure, but we do know, according to Mark's gospel, that Jesus sent his men out in twos, in pairs, probably for mutual encouragement and support. He didn't send them out alone. He put them on a ministry team. Two men worked together. So it may very well be that Matthew has arranged these names according to their ministry partners. But regardless of the reason Matthew did this, we know that these men were very, very common, very ordinary. Not one of them, as, we, as I've said, and I emphasize again, not one of them was from the elite religious establishment. None was highly educated, none from the upper echelons of Jewish society. And, and all that. They were just men of obscurity, plain, down-to-earth, common men, until Jesus handpicked them to change the world. So who were these nobodies? Well, next we're going to focus more on their unique personalities. Today, let's look at how obscure they were, how common they were. The first four men mentioned by Matthew were two pairs of brothers, Peter and Andrew, initially from Bethsaida, They moved to Capernaum later. Then there were James and John. Those are the sons of a man named Zebedee. They were all fishermen, professional fishermen, not recreational fishermen, professional fishermen. There were just four unknown men from northern Israel who fished for a living on the Sea of Galilee. That's all. That's all. The next pair of apostles listed by Matthew, Philip and Bartholomew, who, as I said, Bartholomew is also Nathaniel as well as Thomas, were probably fishermen too. And the reason I say that is because in John chapter 21, verses 1 through through 3, we read about, remember I said, Peter said, I go fishing. I'm I'm going back to the fishing business. said that the others, and it mentioned some of these men, were there as well, and they joined him. 
So they were probably professional fishermen too. The next apostle mentioned was Matthew himself. And we studied Matthew several months ago in chapter 9. He was a wealthy man, the only one probably of the group who was wealthy, but he was wealthy due to his corrupt job of being a tax collector. He was a crook. He was a crook. Pretty common guy. The only, one who really, the only ones who really liked him were those who were crooks just like him. So um, not, not a man who was prominent in Jewish society. After Matthew, the next apostle that's mentioned is a man named James, the son of Alphaeus. This is very interesting. Means, of course, James, his son of Alphaeus, his father's name was Alphaeus. And he's probably referred to by his father's name in order to distinguish him from the other James, the son of Zebedee, who was also the brother of John. That James was the first martyr of the apostles, the one who was killed in the book of Acts. He was prominent. He was well known. And so Matthew is probably just making a distinction. This is James, the son of Alphaeus, as opposed to the other James. But this is interesting. Scripture gives him another name, a nickname, which also seems to be a way of distinguishing him from the other James. Very interesting. In Mark 1540, he is called James the Less. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but I would never want the name or the title, The Less, at the end of my name. He is James The Less. The Greek word for less is micros, from which we get uh, microscope, a microscopic or microscope. It, it means tiny. It means, it means little. Now, what does it mean as far as James is concerned? Well, it could mean a number of things. It could mean that James, the son of Alphaeus, was a man of small stature. It could mean he was just a little guy. If that was the case, frankly, he's little Jimmy. That's, uh, that's, that's what he's being called in, in uh, the vernacular of that day. He's little Jimmy as, a, as opposed to Big Jim. Big Jim, son of Zebedee, little Jimmy. It also could mean, it could mean that he's James the less in the sense that he was younger than the other James. And I'm, I'm pretty confident he was younger. So he could have been called that. However, the most likely reason that this man is called James the Less is because in comparison to the other James, he just wasn't that well-known. He wasn't prominent. Here's how one Bible teacher described James the Less. Apparently, he sought no recognition. He displayed no great leadership. He asked no critical questions. He demonstrated no unusual insight. Only his name remains while his life and labors are immersed in obscurity. I think that ought to be an encouragement to us. Here's an apostle who's obscure. He's, he's not a man who said, Lord, I don't understand this. Explain. He's, he didn't speak up much. He probably was very quiet in the background. He just appears to be a very plain, unimpressive man, and yet Jesus used him. Even if we don't know how he used him, there's tradition of how he was used, but we don't know. He's, that's, there's really nothing much said about him in Scripture. The next apostle mentioned by Matthew was a man named Thaddeus. He also is called in the New Testament, Judas, the son of James. Now, there's a good reason why you would go by the name Thaddeus if your name was Judas, because that name Judas has forever been tainted by Judas Iscariot. It is a dishonored name. Rarely will you find today anyone thinking of naming their baby Judas. It just isn't done. I mean, I'm sure there's someone out there who's done it, but 
thinking people and people sensitive to their children, knowing that life is tough enough, don't name them Judas. So this man was named Judas, but that name had been so dishonored that it appears that he went by the name Thaddeus. In fact, when the apostle John mentions this Judas, he refers to him as Judas, and then he's quick to say, not Iscariot. He's this Judas, not that one. Pastor Steve will be right back to tell us more about this lesser-known Judas in a few seconds. We want to quickly greet those of you who joined us after the start of class. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For the past couple of days and for a few days to come, we are studying the lives of some very ordinary men whom God used in extraordinary ways, Jesus' twelve disciples. If you missed the start of class and want to go back and hear it, there's no problem if you have access to an internet connection. I'll have details when our class concludes. Now, let's return to class to consider an interesting question asked by a man who, understandably, preferred to be called Thaddeus. Now, what do we know about this apostle? Not much. Not much. Scripture doesn't say a great deal about him, but it does record him saying something that gives us great insight into how he saw himself and how he saw the other apostles as very plain, unimpressive men. Let's look there. John 14. This is part of the upper room discourse. Jesus is explaining about uh, how life will be without his physical presence. It is a precious passage of scripture. He gives great promises here, great encouragement. Notice this, verse 21 of John 14, Jesus is talking, and he's only talking to his apostles. They're, they're alone in the upper room. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And notice this, he said, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Disclose means I will reveal or manifest myself to him. Now, once he said that, that word disclose must have triggered something in the mind of of Thaddeus because he asks a question in the next verse, verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Now, it's easy for us to, to just pass over this and say, oh, he asked a question, and let's, let's see the answer. But I tell you, what a display of humility in this man's heart. You realize he's asking, Lord, why would you disclose yourself only to us and not to the world? Who are we? We're a bunch of nobodies. Why limit yourself to us? See, even, even this man Judas, Thaddeus, saw himself as part of a group of unimpressive men, and he can't understand why the Lord would, would be dealing with them so much and neglect the world, because they're not amongst the elite of Israel. It, it really points out, folks, that he knew it, and they knew it. They were a bunch of unimpressive, plain men. The next apostle on Matthew's list is a man named Simon the Zealot. There isn't a whole lot in scripture about him, but that title alone tells us enough. Prior to becoming a follower of Christ, Simon had been a member of a political party known as the Zealots. The Zealots were a militant group of terrorists who terrorized and attacked the Roman government and often assassinated 
Roman soldiers and political leaders. Josephus calls them dagger men. He writes about them, the Jewish historian who worked for the Romans, Josephus, Flavius Josephus. And he tells us that they were dagger men. They would come up in a crowd of people uh, when everybody was had, had their attention focused and they would put their arms around someone and stick a knife, a dagger into them and assassinate them and then they'd be lost in the crowd. Those were the zealots. Simon had been one of the zealots. And I, I might add the 960 Jewish people who fled in 70 AD to Masada, the fortress in the Judean desert, were all zealots. They were the zealots. That's who this man was. The last apostle listed by Matthew is the infamous Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Christ. Judas was really a misfit amongst the disciples. Unlike the other men who were from Galilee, Judas is the only one who is from Judah. How do we know that? Well, we know this because his name, Iscariot, appears to come from a Hebrew term meaning man of Kerioth, and Kerioth was a town in the south in Judah. We'll have more to say about him as we study the Gospel of, of Matthew. But for right now, we want to say that these are the men that Jesus chose to officially represent him, common men, nobody who was extraordinary. So why them? Why them? And why does he still choose people like them, us? Because we're just like these men. Why? Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I think this is the key. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul tells us, told the church at Corinth, why he chose, why God chose them. And it applies why he chose the apostles, why he still chooses people just like them called us today. He says in verse 26, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen, notice this, the foolish things of the world, that's us, to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are, so that, notice this, no one, no man may boast before God. Why did God choose them? The same reason he chose us. Jesus chooses ordinary men because we know how ordinary we are. These apostles, though they struggle with pride, just like we do, were basically humble men. They were men who recognized they needed Christ. Some of them had been followers of John the Baptist. They had spiritual orientation. They knew that they were not sufficient in and of themselves. They were not impressed with themselves. They were not like the Pharisees who try to impress others. They were not religious hypocrites. They, may, they had their problems, but they were not hypocritical. They realized they were nothing in and of themselves. They had nothing to boast about. And folks. That's why God chose them. They were so common, and they knew it. Just like Thaddeus said, Lord, why us? That's why God chose them. You see, God doesn't use us because we have great education, because of exceptional intellectual abilities, great, great skills. I said it before, it, it, it has to be emphasized. He uses humble people who don't think much about themselves. They realize that whatever they have in life is God's grace. 
It was said, has been said of Moses that for 40 years, Moses thought he was a somebody in Pharaoh's court. Then God, for the next 40 years, taught Moses that he was a nobody as he tended his father-in-law's flock in the, in, in the desert. And then for the final 40 years of Moses' life, God showed him that he can use a nobody. That's really the story of our lives. We are nobodies. God chooses us and uses us. And dare we ever think that he uses us because there's something innate about us. If you want to be used by God, then you have to denounce all pride. Be humble. Be down to earth. Denounce all pride, all self-righteousness. Denounce it in your abilities, your education, your, your intelligence, your skills. Magnify God by letting him empower you and use you for his glory. This is no different than the Apostle Paul saying, when I'm weak, he's strong. It's no different than Zechariah saying, not by might or by power, by my power, but by the Spirit of God are we used of him. Those who think they're great, you're going to have the Lord opposing you. It's all about humility. And these, these men, as I said, struggle with pride like all of us, but they were basically humble, common men who knew they were common men. And knew that whatever, however God used them, it was by his transforming power and grace. Let's pray. Have you ever denounced pride in your life? You know, it's very easy to see pride in other people's lives, but there are areas in our lives that we often, often don't see it. We have other names for it. Well, he's, he's very sensitive. She's very sensitive. That's called pride. Easily hurt pride thinking that uh, they ought to be in a position in the church, that's pride. Thinking they ought to be used this way, pride. Denounce that. Denounce it. Ask the Lord to show you those hidden areas that are painful to see but ought to be seen. There ought to be mutual fellowship and accountability with others who will love you enough to tell you that is pride. We're all just common clay. And have you ever denounced all pride in thinking that you're good enough to go to heaven? I say to those of you who don't know Christ as your Savior, that's where it begins. You must recognize you're a sinner, and your sin means that there's no righteousness in you. If you're going to go to heaven, it's only by God's grace as he forgives and, and saves you based on the death of Christ on the cross. You have to come to him as a humble, broken sinner, willing to repent of your sin and trust him to save you. Father, thank you for giving us a little glimpse into these 12 men. Lord, they're, they're just as defective as we are, but I thank you that you use men and women who are defective. I thank you, Lord, that you do that so that the power and exaltation would be of you, not of us. Lord, protect us from ever exalting ourselves, putting ourselves on a pedestal, thinking that we're, we're necessary, that, uh, that you need us. Lord, I'm so grateful you don't need us. We need you. And I pray that in each one of our lives, there'll be a renewal and a commitment to, in humility, following Christ, that the power in our lives and in our ministries would be of you, not of ourselves. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you prayed that prayer along with Pastor Steve. The Bible is full of promises for the humble and warnings for the proud. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. 
This program, Verse by Verse, is produced by Verse by Verse Ministries and made possible through the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their own local churches. You can hear today's class again at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can either listen online or download it for later. Sharing that web address with your friends is a great way to make these Bible classes of the air available to them if they can't listen to the radio while we're on the air. You will find previous lessons on the archives page. That website again is versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was part of a series. It consists of two messages, each divided into radio-sized portions. Perhaps you would like to hear this entire message at once with no announcements. If so, call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours so that you can order an audio CD or cassette tape. That number again, 727-441-1714. Pastor Steve will continue this series about the King's Ambassadors in our next class. I find the fact that God so powerfully used such plain people very encouraging. If he could use an impetuous braggart like Peter or a crook like Matthew, then there should be hope for you and me that God can use us to make a difference for his kingdom. I hope you'll join us for our next verse by verse to continue digging into the lives of the king's ambassadors. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.